1: It's Fizz Radio, it's Matt Bonaparte and Jaron May back with you for once again another episode. We're going to talk some football, some five-star review, get to our fictional Fizz and our Fizz feedback. But Jaron first, we start with a tweet from John Rothstein, the basketball insider himself. The tweet reads... Multiple mid-major programs are opting not to play guaranteed games against high major programs because it gives power conference teams a quote free evaluation of future players who could move up via the transfer portal. The level of separation has never
0: been greater, Rothstein says. Jaron, what do you think about that? That's kind of crazy, Matt. That is this is uh this is getting to a ridiculous amount of, you know, uh difference in college basketball because I am a a staunch opponent of this, the the new transfer rules. I just don't think that they are good for the sport. I do not think that they will help the sport in any way. Sure, I'm all in on player empowerment and making sure the players uh, can do what they would like to do. And I think that they should be, you know, name, image, likeness. But that's a whole nother conversation. But when the transfer portal is now impacting games... I think that really that really changes the landscape of college basketball and at least in my opinion for the worse not for the better
1: Yeah this comes back to the new rule in which players are allowed to, transfer to new programs and play immediately usually it wasn't like that you'd have to sit out a year to gain eligibility to play for that program no longer the case now you can just transfer wherever you like it's a lot like free agency and pro sports jaron i know you've taken an opinion on this you wrote a piece about it on our website at orangefizz.net yeah i mean especially now that it is creeping into scheduling and, and mid-major programs not wanting to play against big teams like Syracuse, like a Kentucky or a Duke or something like that. I think this is definitely getting to a point where it's detrimental for the sport. I wasn't on that side to begin with. I really like that players were given the option to play wherever they wanted. If they wanted to get out of a program, they could. But now in the case where they can leave wherever they want and um, play immediately, Teams are getting a little bit protective. Those mid-major programs rely on players like ja, uh, ja Morant and Murray State. I mean, that's a great example. Do you think that a transfer would have come for him if he wasn't a one-and-done? I mean, th- that's the kind of thing you're looking at here. I-, I think it's getting to a point where it's very detrimental.
0: Well, Matt, here's the thing. Uh, there is this thing called tape. Like, <laughs> I don't yeah, exactly. understand. exactly. You can watch it. Like, why why playing against these players uh, doesn't really change anything? Like, let's say Ja Morant, let, let, let's run with that. If you are, I don't know, uh, Coach K and Duke plays Murray State and you see Ja Morant and Coach K is like, wow, I really want that player on my team. You think that that one game is going to be the difference? I'm pretty sure Coach K, Bayheim any other there's a plethora of coaches out there, and even not even the big names. Uh, you can go to any school. If there's a good player and a talented player in the transfer portal, they're going to hear about it. They have quite literally staffs and staff members that are specifically paid to just scour the transfer portal and scour you know high school recruits and find the talented players out there. So I don't think that one game, that, quote, free live evaluation is going to be that much of a difference because that person is ultimately going to have to enter the transfer portal. When they do, that's when everyone knows about it, not just that one team that played against them. So I, I think this is kind of a... a stupid reason not to play games. And it also doesn't make sense because a lot of these mid-majors and low-majors need to play high-major programs, number one, for resume builders to, you know, help their resume going into March, and then number two, financially. I I think that's something that is going to be lost in the wind here. A lot of mid-majors rely heavily on the money that is brought in playing high-majors because, you know, they get paid to play those games. I don't think colgate and niagara and northeastern are too happy coming to syracuse and get their doors blown off however they do it because number one it's a chance for a resume builder and if you don't win it then hey you get a couple hundred thousand dollars to be able to play that game i i think this kind of ruins college basketball all all overall
1: uh yeah you mentioned that there are scouting teams that are do exactly what Rothstein describes uh, those free evaluations but here's the thing and what I think these mid-major programs are getting at is that say you are up big like you mentioned to get the doors blown off of them say a Colgate comes to Syracuse say a UMass comes to Syracuse uh, and, and U-Mass Trey was Mitchell, pretty good last year I know and Trey Mitchell's playing really well Syracuse sure. is killing him or something like that Bayheim can throw whatever he wants at that big guy to see in live action and put exactly run him through a kind of drill. You know he can throw exactly what he wants it to see how he's going to attack a certain uh, scheme, a certain defense, how he's going to play in a certain situation in which you wouldn't really get if you just watched some tape. So that's what I think these teams are getting at is that they can really uh, manipulate whatever player they want in a situation in which they're up big and it doesn't really matter in whatever game. Yes, you mentioned about uh, the money for a lot of these teams, but I guess it doesn't matter that much to them if they're willing to not play these games at all, just because they don't want their players to get cherry picked.
0: Well, it's also, I want to go back to your recruiting point. It's a little confusing because yeah, you bring up a good point. Maybe you can run them through a quote unquote air. Like I'm, I'm doing air quotes right now. Uh, drill, if you want to, if you want to describe it that way. However. Again, if any of these players enter the transfer portal, you can then reach out to them and put them through drills yourself and you can have a deeper in-depth look at these sure. players. I sure. don't think that one free live evaluation and that's what like that's becoming the little line here in this in this debacle. I don't think that that free live evaluation is going to tip the scales one way or another.
1: Well, I think that's the argument for these mid-major teams that it absolutely will. Also, because maybe they don't have some certain player, um, say Syracuse is looking for transfers and they don't have a certain player, um, you know, on the watch list. Then they play some random team, they say, wow, this kid's good, and there he is. Um, in a situation like years prior, it wouldn't really look like that because, well, they'd have to wait out the season, then they'd have to come here, it'd be a whole different story. Now, they can just come over. Bayon comes after him after the game, maybe, he says, hey, we got a spot for you next year. Um... So I think, it's, it's a, I think there is some merit and some uh, validity to what the mid-major programs are saying and what, what they're crying out for here. I don't know if it's worth not playing those games for that money that you, that you mentioned. But um, yeah, it's definitely an interesting situation that was brought on by the new transfer rule and to your argument is probably a detriment to the sport at this time.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. Jaron May here with Matt Bonaparte. Uh, Matt, I also want to, you know, kind of key in on, on Syracuse with this one because it's a little interesting. Uh, Syracuse in the past week, it's it's been about a week since they have released this. They added two mid-majors. It was Lafayette and Lehigh. And that is now where it comes into play, and maybe those two teams are not two teams that are afraid of of you know playing high majors. That might be the case, but let's just play the hypothetical. Uh, If they are like two of the teams that are like "Eh, I don't really want to play high majors because it's going to give that free live evaluation, but then they say, all right, yeah, we'll play you, Syracuse. Does that mean that Lehigh and Lafayette? doesn't think that Syracuse is an elite high major program that could steal some of their players if like it came to that and I think that's a that's a a conversation to be had
1: I think that's a I think that's a reach from you I think that's a a little bit of a reach I I don't think yeah I don't think that those teams are are viewing Syracuse as not a major team I mean of course Syracuse is a high major team you wouldn't label Syracuse as a mid major in the tournament
0: no 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 I'm not saying that I'm saying are they not an elite high major team that scares people when it comes to hey uh there when it scares people for their recruiting prowess
1: well recruiting is a different conversation to have with Syracuse but at the end of the day Syracuse is the one that landed a, a five-star recruit for the for next season not Lehigh or, or Lafayette
0: no, I, I understand that. I'm 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 not comparing. Syracuse yeah, I, I, understand, with Lafayette. I
1: understand what you're saying, but I don't, I don't, I think that you're off put.
0: I, I, I think it is interesting that this comes out right around the same time that Syracuse schedules submit majors and submit majors. You know, I don't think they see Syracuse as a threat to steal their players. I don't know.
1: I think you're drawing a little bit of a, uh, and off, but uh, just I don't, I don't, I don't see the correlation between this coming out when Syracuse schedules mid majors. I, I don't, I don't think that those teams view Syracuse as anything less um, than a great program. I mean, at the end of the day, Syracuse is is up there with other teams in turn in terms of uh, transfers coming in. Syracuse had multiple transfers coming this season that could really make a difference next year.
0: Um, yeah, Samir sure, Torrance is really pushing the scales. He might
1: be. You don't know. You have <laughs> no idea. Cole Swider might be the next big thing. You have no idea. Okay, sure. All right. Well, when we come back, we're going to talk some football. You're listening to Orange Fish on the Score 1260. Stay with us. Back here on Fizz Radio, Matt Bonaparte with Jaron May. We just wrapped up talking about college basketball, the landscape changing, and a John Rothstein tweet. Now we're going to move towards Syracuse football. The season is approaching. Jaron, I think it's important for us to identify a couple of groups, one group on the offensive end and one on the defensive end that Syracuse really needs to key in on and improve going into this next season. I'm going to start on the offensive end And I'm going to talk about the most important player on the field. The quarterback position is a gigantic question mark for Syracuse as of right now. Tommy DeVito started the season last year. Obviously, he had an injury, and he just wasn't all that good. I mean, he was, in my opinion, terrible. Rex Culpepper took over. He wasn't good either. And then at the end of the season against Wake Forest, we got to see a couple of the backups. Jacoby and Morgan. Dylan Markowitz got a pass. Jaron... I think it's very important for Syracuse to name a quarterback sooner rather than later so they can start taking the snaps with the number one team. You've also got Garrett Schrader in the mix now, Justin Lamsom. There's so many guys in this room and so many guys that are probably going to be disappointed. And I'm going to make a claim right here. I have a huge take about the quarterback position for Syracuse. Tommy DeVito should not start. I don't think he's the most talented quarterback in the room. I think that's Garrett Schrader, even though he played wide receiver at Mississippi State before this. I think either Jacobian and Morgan or Garrett Schrader should start for Syracuse this season. I think Tommy DeVito is a bad quarterback. I don't think he adds anything to this offense. I really don't think he's all that good. I think Syracuse should go forward with another guy. I know that's Dino's guy, but we've learned that Dino's guy is not very good. Jaron, do you have any kind of rebuttal for me? Well, a couple things.
0: Uh, one, I agree that, you know, Tommy, the, the narrative that Tommy is Dino's guy and that's why he should play needs to be thrown out the window because he was Dino's guy last year and he sucked. He was Dino's guy the year before and he was not good. Uh, there are, and you can look at the stats, he holds the ball too often. He makes bad reads and throws it away or throws it into you know double coverage or can't find the safety or can't read the defense pre-snap. There are plenty of examples out there that he's not a smart quarterback. Yeah, he has one heck of an arm. No one is taking that away from him. He's a big dude. He's strong. But he gets sacked because he holds it too often and he can't read a defense. So... The whole narrative that Tommy DeVito should start because he's the golden child, child of Dino Baber's, you know, recruiting when it first started here at Syracuse, that is, uh, in my opinion, like out the window. Don't even talk about that. However, I disagree with your take that Syracuse needs to name the starting quarterback ASAP. I think Iron. I didn't Sharpens- say ASAP.
1: I just said sooner you
0: rather than later. Yeah, so that means ASAP. No, it doesn't. I mean. That doesn't mean ASAP at potato, all. Potato, potato. No, not at all. It's not the same thing in remotely. I uh, disagree. But, um, sure, sooner rather than later. I don't completely agree with that. I'll, I'll use your terminology if you'd like. Uh, because I think iron sharpens iron. I think that having a, a quarterback battle is actually really beneficial. And I don't think that quarterback battle is as effective in spring ball because you only have just over 20 practices in spring ball. Uh, you really get to, you know, work out the kinks, find out who stayed in shape over the summer, figure out if people improved over the summer. I think that's when you decide in fall. And I'm okay if it's not even like over summer practices if you make your decision two weeks before opening day i think that's your most beneficial time because allow that quarterback room to to battle with each other and then you figure out who's your guy after that
1: well let me hear what you got what's the uh, the group on offense you think needs they need to, they need to to really look at uh pass
0: catchers Pass catchers. Now, now I know you didn't. You don't really lose that much from last year. You still got. But Taj you didn't Harris. really have that much. Exactly. That's my point. So you, you got Taj Harris, who in a tweet <laughs> a couple days ago said he's going to light up the ACC. I'm not sure if that's true, Taj. Uh, so you got Taj Harris, Anthony queeley Is he really you know making you shiver in your boots? You lost Nikeem Johnson, who was a great slot receiver, your fastest player could change up a defense and wasn't just a normal, you know, Queely is a bigger dude, so you can sometimes throw it up to him. Harris is more of a deep threat. Johnson was that across-the-middle slot guy that could change up your looks and and give you a difference on the offensive side of things. Uh, And then I guess your third guy is Courtney Jackson, but he's not even that great. Sean Tucker coming out of the backfield is eh. They started to use him a little later in the season as a pass catcher, so it's it's decent. And then you also lose, and it doesn't really matter because last year they didn't even use them, but you lose one of your two tight ends. Aaron Hackett transfers to Kent State. Luke Benson is still here, but, you know, if you're not going to use the tight ends, then why even worry about them? However, I think the pass catchers, although they didn't lose much, they didn't really have much. So I don't think, or at least in my opinion, that's the, the biggest area of emphasis for, for Dino Babers and his squad.
1: Yeah, I think you may bring up a really good point about how um, guys will develop, but there wasn't really that much there to begin with. You have Anthony Quigley and Courtney Jackson, but how much better are they really going to be? So, sure, I agree with you there. How about defense, Jaron? How about you start on the defensive end?
0: I, I think we're going to have the same one here because I know I know you and I uh, I know how passionate you are about this, even though it's not the offensive line. I'm going defensive line. Uh, listen, they have some talented players that I think could <clears throat> be, you know, a, a part of a, a really good offensive line or rather defensive line if they work together and kind of live up to at least their size but uh, i don't know kingsley jonathan josh black it, it mckinley williams they don't really don't forget about cody to... roscoe no I'm, I'm not i'm not too worried about cody roscoe either
1: yeah i i absolutely agree with you, you hit the nail on the head um these guys they're not the most fearsome bunch kingsley jonathan with the most sacks on the defensive line last year with a a wild amount three it's crazy i mean these guys should be these 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 quaking quarterbacks it's going to be crazy jaron um so yeah this is going to be a huge problem the, the the linebacking core i'd say is better than i thought it was going to be last year you brought in guys like jeff can Narku, stefan thompson uh, Marlow Wax; those guys were solid and obviously the defensive backs you had Garrett Williams Jihad Carter um, <clears throat> Rob Hanna the, the, you know they were they were pretty good the defensive line was not and, and it's a big reason why Syracuse has a troublesome time against teams that can run the ball is because they run it a million times and there's nothing Syracuse can do so a big issue there uh, and if they're going to win games next season which of course they plan on doing they're gonna to have to stop the run. One and ten last year did not cut it, obviously, so it is a big issue. Um So wait, Matt, th-
0: I I wanna I wanna ask you this. Go uh, ahead. If I think we both agree, you know the rush defense was the worst part of that defense last year. I don't think we're worried about the secondary, even though you lose those three people to the to the draft. Uh, they didn't really play that much last year, and you got a bunch of young talent that can fill those gaps. So rush defense is the big emphasis that I think you and I both agree on. Uh, however, is it more important to have, you know, a strong defensive line when it comes to that, or is it the, the linebackers that you kind of put more of an emphasis on, on they need to improve because he let up 210 yards on the ground per game last year?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, neither of them were spectacular, but it's not always easy if you're a linebacker when there's nothing in front of you stopping the run. Uh, These guys were like paper. I mean, they they would just, every running back in the league or in the country would just run right through them. Um, So, of course, there's development to be had on both sides, but if I had to pick one, I'd say that the defensive line needs to step up a lot more.
0: Okay. Yeah, I'm Uh, I'm fine with that. I I think Michael Jones and Jeff Kananarku. Um, are you know two solid linebackers? Michael Jones, I think, should have been one of the or at least up there for uh, ACC, you know, rookie of the year on the defensive side. I know that's not a, a real thing, but I I think that if it was, he would be deserving. Uh, Jeff Kananarku has shown experience, has shown at least in my opinion that he can jump a gap and fill it and be a, a run stopper and also pressure the quarterback at times too. It's kind of surprising. He led the team in sacks, and that's kind of, you know, part of that 3-3-5 defense, and, and sometimes that happens. But uh, I like those two. I'm not huge on Black, Jonathan, Williams. The, the defensive line has a lot of experience, has a lot of, you know, super seniors, uh, and hopefully, you know, maybe that helps them but what i've seen from them in their four years is not that impressive in a fifth year or sometimes a sixth season for some of these guys is not going to push the scales at least for me
1: i'm really glad we agree jaron i mean this doesn't happen too often i think we really (laughs) need to sit back and be like wow we finally agree on something, so I'm glad we could share this moment.
0: Yeah, um, I, it's not it's not going to happen too often, so uh, we should savor <laughs> this right now.
1: All right, when we come <laughs> back, we're going to get into five star review. Jaron and I will go over some prospects. We're going to the Orange Fizz on the Score 1260. Stay with us. Five-star review. Five-star ride. I'd like to share with you one of our five-star reviews. Hey, 5 five-stars. Matt Bonaparte and Jaron May back with you on Orange Fizz Radio. We're going to do some five-star review. Jaron, this is our third time on oh, Five-Star yeah. Review. We're going to talk some Syracuse potential recruits. The first up is Chance Westry, a combo guard at a Chatsworth, California. He's 6'4", 190, class of 22, of course. Jaren, what do you
0: got on uh, Syracuse fans might need to get to know his name because there is a very good shot that Westry ends up in the orange. And I think that would be a great addition to Kamari Lands, who is also, you know, a bigger wing player. If you match up Westry with his 6'4 frame, with uh, 190 pounds and then you get him into a college weight program I think that could be a great one-two punch in this class of 2022 listen Westry does a lot of things really well he's a well-rounded player you watch his tape and he's a he's just he can do everything well and he's there's very few you know spots in his game that you could pick apart and say hey I'm going to attack this, or I think there's a weakness here, so the opposing coach is going to do this. It's it's not that it, that that's not really the case for Westry, So uh, I think he's a really enticing recruit. I would not be opposed to to bringing him in at all. He's uh, at least according to 24/7 Sports, he's a top 20, almost five player. He's at 26 nationally on their big board and. And one of the best players coming out of California, which, you know, is always loaded with talent. So, I think he is could be a great addition for Syracuse.
1: And you mentioned that there's a decent chance we'll see Chance Westry on the Hill. Currently, 24-7's crystal ball predictions say he's going 100% to Syracuse. Obviously, that doesn't really mean anything concrete, but Syracuse and Maryland, really the only teams that he's really uh linked to so this could be a big get for syracuse if they do end up getting him he's a guy who can play the one or the two at six four i think this would be huge for syracuse like you mentioned with Kadari richmond out of the way no longer with the team he could be a guy that replaces either joe or buddy once those guys are gone all right moving on we've got jj starling out of lallymare high school in indiana he's from bald baldwinsville new york so there's some kind of linkage there jaren what do you got on jj
0: all right, so if we're sticking with, like, you know, size and, and how they fit into a, a Syracuse scheme, JJ doesn't fit as well. He's a crazy talented player. He's in your backyard. It would be a big re- recruiting miss to not get him and to lose him to uh, plenty other schools, which we can kind of go through his offer list because he's he, he's got a good amount of offers. Um but he's 6'2", 170, a little smaller. And, you know, that kind of gives you the Joe Girard vibes where he's just a little smaller. He can't play uh, the top of the key at, or the top of the 2-3 zone as much or as well as, you know, Kadari Richmond. And I'll bring up his name. I know it's, it's kind of hurtful for Syracuse fans to hear that name. But uh, Richmond was so good at the top of the zone because he had a 6'10 wingspan. That's not what J.J.'s darling has. He's more of a smaller, shiftier guard that I guess if I could compare him to someone, it's more like, I'm trying to put this in a, a Syracuse, um, a, a kind of Dion, but not as strong as Dion, I, I guess. I, I mean, it's, it's just
1: brutal to bring up Dion. I mean, I thought you meant, <laughs> excuse me, I thought you meant Dior Johnson. <laughs> Not no, Waiters. no Neon, two very Dion. different
0: people. King. John Gillen, that's the guy. All right, I'll go John, John Gillen. Gillen right. I think that's a little better of a comp because Dion was a little uh, stronger. Now, Gillen was also a little thicker. like He had some muscle to him, and, and maybe J.J. beefs up. But uh, I think J.J. is, you know, he's that shifty guard that can move quickly and and burst past a defender, but then defensively could be a liability. So that's my take.
1: Yeah, another guy that could really... I think thrive at Syracuse and become a, a really good player at the top of the zone because he's six two, he's one seventy, he's quick, he can shoot, he's everything that Jim Beheim wants in a guard. So this is everything um that uh could be for Syracuse. Nobody I mean, anything's a step above Joe Girard when you're looking at a guy who's who's two steps or is two inches taller than him and can probably shoot better than him. Alright, on to our last
0: prospect well, I, of the can, can f- I Never I got mind, one more. never
1: mind. Jaron's gotta say something.
0: Hold <laughs> I on. got one more. I got one more on JJ. Uh I don't think he's I, I would like to temper expectations if if I can, you know, do that for Syracuse. Uh listen, first off, JJ has He kind of peaked in the rankings a couple months ago and has been on more of a decline because a couple players have bumped up in front of him. I also don't think that Syracuse uh, has too much of a chance to, to grab JJ because even though he's in their backyard, I think there's a couple other offers that might be a little more enticing. He was, Syracuse was one of the first couple teams in on him because he's so close, but now Alabama comes into the uh, comes into view and they have an up-and-coming program that I think would be a great fit for him because they're guard-driven and they really know how to develop guards there. You got Maryland, you got Miami, you got Stanford, even Duke is, you know, kind of in on, on JJ. So there's plenty of other teams that could you know grab J.J. as much as I think that it would be helpful for Starling or for Syracuse to to you know recruit him I don't see it actually happening I don't think it's as much of a you know definite as Chance Westry
1: I agree with you and I don't think Chance Westry is necessarily a definite but I do think think it's a better chance a better chance not necessarily a definite. yeah um JJ Starling yeah I agree with you I was going to mention that as well is that there's a lot of offers on him one of them being Alabama like you mentioned I don't know if Syracuse ends up picking him up but on to our third and final recruit you've got Quadir Copeland a 6-6 combo guard at a <laughs> at a Gettysburg Pennsylvania Jaron, I mean this isn't is this not a dream at the top of the zone
0: yeah I, I mean it is six six one eighty five. Why not? Uh, I and I think we're heavily relying on size with these you know conversations. Length. But it, it it makes sense because you're looking for length in the two three zone. And until Jim Beheim leaves, and we figure out if the next if the next coach is going to stick with the two three or not, you got to look at length because that is one of the biggest uh you know. Factors that I think these Syracuse coaches also look at so we're putting our on our coach hat uh, and that's what we do now I will say uh, With Copeland he's transferring for high school right now to IMG Academy And we know that Syracuse has quite a good relationship with IMG that they like to recruit out of there You you talk about Benny Williams who is now at IMG you talk about Frank Anselm who is at IMG uh, I think Jesse Edwards was also was. at IMG. Plenty of guys come out of that high school, which, you know, has a lot of talent and brings in a lot of great talent themselves, ultimately end up at Syracuse. So it's not, you know, a direct correlation, and there, has been, there have been plenty of IMG players that have gone elsewhere. But I think that helps because Syracuse and those IMG coaches have a pretty darn good relationship. And this offer list,
1: like... um, J.J. Starlings is pretty long as well. And there's plenty of teams in the mix here. Maryland, probably the warmest on him right now. Then you've got Miami, Oregon. Michigan didn't offer him, but they're looking at him as well. Syracuse could really use a guy like this, but I don't know if they're going to get him. A three-star, so he's not the biggest recruit in the world. A guy that could probably fit with Syracuse pretty well, um, but not necessarily one yeah. that is as close as Chance Westry.
0: Yeah, so, so what I would say here is like, If you don't get Westry or you don't get Starling, then Copeland's a good backup. But Copeland should also not be your number one, ooh, all my eyes are on him type of player. I think, you know, you can get a better player out of J.J. Starling and Chance Westry, but it just depends on if you get them. And if you do get them, I think you're okay from moving on from Copeland. I don't think it's going to be a huge loss if you don't grab him. So I think... He's a good backup, and I, you, you say that in a way there, not to be you know disrespectful, and it would still be a great recruit if Syracuse brings him in, but I just don't think that he needs to be the all eyes on prize especially because there's plenty of you know wings and bigs that we're not going to talk about today on on this five-star review but there are plenty of other recruits in this class of 2022 that Syracuse is in on and and should focus on at least in my opinion over uh Koblen
1: that'll do it for five-star review when we come back we'll talk fictional fizz and fizz feedback stay with us It's closing time on Orange Fizz Radio. Matt Bonaparte and Jaron May along for the ride. We're going to start with some fictional fizz. It's where I make up fictional betting lines. I give them to Jaron, and he makes a call on whether it's an over or an under. And then I'll give him my opinion as well. First one, Jaron, are you ready? Uh, yes. Doesn't matter if you're ready. We're starting anyway. How many sacks will Kingsley Jonathan and Josh Black combine for in this upcoming season? The line is set at over under five and a
0: half. Oh, I'll take the over. I'll take the over. Uh, So they combined for five last year, and I think that was a down year for them. Uh, As much as I, you know, earlier in the show was saying that the defensive line needs to improve, and, and that's the area of emphasis that Syracuse needs to focus on on the defensive side of the ball and that they don't impress me that much. I think they have a step up from previous from last year because they are too talented and too. Uh, let me take that back. They're too experienced to be to be having, you know, uh, three sacks a season or two sacks a season. So uh, give me the over. I think Kingsley goes for. uh probably four like one more than he did this past season and then i think josh black is you know he'll have two or th- he's gonna have mm. wow high praise from jaron may uh i'm looking at his previous years so last year he had two year before he had four uh all four of those sacks came
1: against liberty in the first game people forget that
0: yeah, and then he had one and a half his freshman year. So I think he can have two or three, maybe, you know, two and a half. Um, I think Kingsley Jonathan can have three to four. So I'll take the over there.
1: All right, I think it's going to be really close, but I'm also going to take the over. Like, I think they're going to have six, and it's good because yes. one of them gets one more. Yeah. Um. So similar to your thinking. All right, the next betting line, Benny Williams points per game next season. Oh, I like I got this. It,
0: I've got it set at 11 and a half. Oh, give me the over.
1: Really?
0: Yeah, yeah, give me the thing. over. Um, listen, you you have Buddy who's gonna take a step up, but you lose Quincy, you lose. Uh, I, to be honest, I don't know what's going on with Alan Griffin. Uh, I think he's trying to go to the NBA. I, I don't think I, we're gonna see Alan Griffin again. Okay, all right. So we're taking Alan Griffin out. You lose Quincy, you lose Alan. you lose Marek, you lose Kadari. So your only scoring options right now are Joe Girard and Buddy Beheim. What about Cole Swider? Uh, I, you are so in on Cole Swider. It's kind of You don't ridiculous. think he's going to score points? I think he will, but I also think that Benny Williams is better than Cole Swider. So, I hmm. think Benny comes in and averages 15. 15 in his freshman year. Yep, I think he I think he averages anywhere between 13 to 15.
1: So you think he's miles ahead of Quincy Garrier in terms of skill level,
0: I think that he's a better scorer than Quincy Garnier. I think Garnier is a better rebounder and obviously just a bigger guy, so he can you know do different things on the inside. But uh, but what I've seen from his tape is Benny can score, can attack the hoop, and he's been getting bigger. Talking to some scouts, they say his size was the biggest issue when he was a little younger, but has added a lot of you know just strength when he transfers to different schools and now at IMG they have a great strength program and he's an outside shooter so yeah I, I think he's going to be a better scorer than Quincy Garrier
1: I think I'm going to take the over as well but I don't think it's going to be more than 12 or 13 points that he scores per game um I think he's a great player I hope he uh comes in and really shows everybody what he's all about but the ACC is a tough conference to play in when you're just coming out of high school so I think he he sure. may find himself scoring around Around that line. Around 11, 12, 13 points. Okay. All right. The third one gets a little bit interesting. This is going to be Tommy DeVito games started. I've got <laughs> the line set at four and a half.
0: Wow. Um, that's a great line, first off. Thanks, I'd like to that. compliment you on that one. Uh, give me the under. Interesting. I don't think so Tommy started four last year but that was because he got injured um, or he, rather he played in four uh, and I guess he started all four of those I'm, I, I'm thinking out loud right now so everyone that is listening to this you're going to have to listen to how my brain works uh, I think he starts the first couple then he loses it or he gets injured and I'm not hoping for that but the amount of you know time that he spends in the pocket he's going to get hit uh, i'll take the under i think he starts wow. two games and then he either gets pulled because someone else is playing so better so you think or he'll get injured. pulled yes
1: see my thing is i think dino's gonna ride with him if, if dino makes the decision for him to start this year which i don't think he should but i think he might right i think that he's gonna ride with him for as long as he can um yeah because I, I, mean, he'll I always see that make happening. that claim that tommy devito is the guy that
0: is it puts us in a position best to win which I may see. or may not be true i see that happening however i also think as much as you know we will give dino a lot of uh you know shade uh, yeah uh throughout this i i think he's smarter than we kind of give him credit for because at least i would hope so i think he understands that his job is on the line this year and that if he does not perform he's probably out of here and if you keep tommy in and you try to ride with your golden child and he's just not the golden child, then that looks really bad. So I, I'm gonna take the under.
1: Okay. I think I'm gonna take the under as well, but for a different reason, I think that it will be proven eventually that Garrett Schrader is a better quarterback than Tommy DeVito and he will beat him out for the job.
0: I also and like, and like Justin Lans a lot. There. I like Justin Lansom a lot. I, I, I would not be opposed to the you know, Morgan is also very good. Yeah, uh, I I think Lanson. Well, we'll see. You know how Lanson kind of deals with college, but uh,
1: I think my I think uh, we agree in that saying that Tommy DeVito is not the first or second best quarterback in that room.
0: Currently, yeah.
1: Okay, on to the fourth line then, as we agree on that one. Buddy Bayheim points per game. A little bit of a uh, the same strain as the Benny Williams question. I got the line set at nineteen and a half. It's. <laughs>
0: Um, it can he score twenty points a game, Jaron? That's the question, really. It has to be. It has to be over. Like it has to be. It's not that you know. I want to say over, and as uh, all of our listeners, as Syracuse fans, they want it to be over as well. I'm telling you, as much as you want it to be over, it has to be over because in order for Syracuse to win next year, Buddy's got to be the dude. But he has yeah, to play like he like he did in the tournament. Now, he doesn't have to be that spectacular every single game because that's asking a lot, especially since he's going to garner a lot of more defensive attention. However, he's got to be putting up 20 to 21 points per game, if not a little more. So I'm going to take the over. I think he's, you know, he was taking quite a few shots last season, and I think that he's going to take even more. Um i see him putting up you know 25 to 30 shots per game and that is averaging out to about 21 points 22 points
1: i agree with you saying that if syracuse is going to win and they're going to be good he has to put up that amount of points and, and i think that you know there are plenty of voices around the college football or college basketball landscape they're saying syracuse could be a top 25 team next season if they're going to be that team buddy Bayheim has to come in and be that guy for Syracuse. So I'm going to take the over as well. I think it's going to be around 23 points per game if you want a specific for me. All right, last one. There you go. Syracuse football sacks allowed. This is something I'm very passionate about, Jeremy Yeah. You know. um, as you know, I'm going to set the line at 32 and a half. This past season, they allowed 38.
0: Um, all, Another good line. I I think they're going to be better. Are they going to be, you know, seven sacks better? Or I guess six sacks better? uh i'll say yes i think it was a lot to do with you know with tommy devito and if devito is not in there then that takes out that worry i also think that they are only going to be better because you add chris Bleich, the uh the transfer from florida you just have more experience and what i saw out of matthew bergeron uh last year it it really impresses me so yeah i'll take the under i'll take the under
1: I'll take the under as well, and with that, we move over to Twitter to see our Fizz feedback. We've got plenty of polls out on Twitter. If you want to interact for them next week, they'll be there for you at OrangeFizz on Twitter. First one, DraftKings said Syracuse football win total at 3 for next season. What are you taking? Over 3, under 3, or exactly 3, John?
0: I said exactly 3. Um, I, I've looked at the schedule. I don't know where the three wins are going to be. I'm just hoping <laughs> that they at least get to three. So I'm saying exactly three because not in my right mind can I say over three. And I'm just hoping that it's not under three.
1: I think they take the game against Ohio. They take the game against U Albany, and then it looks a little bleak because I don't think they. I don't know if they're going to be able to win a conference game. Um, but maybe they'll get one. So I'll also say exactly three because I think they take you Albany, they take Ohio, and then hopefully they'll get one more. Um, a couple of comments under there. Stan Breezy says, sad day as a Q's fan that this is actually a poll.
0: Yeah, got to get used I mean, to that, it,
1: Stan. That is pretty sad. And Dave Tyndall says, if we don't go over 500, I think we need a new coach. That's been the conversation all of last year, and I bet you it'll be the conversation all of this year. All right next poll how many minutes per game does John Bolajac play next season zero to five six to ten 11 to 15 or over 16 Jared?
0: uh well I tweeted this out I thought I did a great job because uh deciding between zero and five and six to ten was was pretty difficult for me I think he averages you know like six minutes on the dot and if we're we're doing that then I will take the six to ten.
1: I don't think he plays I mean I don't think he's a guy I mean that he Jim he averaged, he averaged
0: five minutes per game this past year
1: yeah, I, but with, with more. Did he really?
0: Yeah, that's five minutes wild. per game. Nah, I still don't see it. I don't think
1: he's going to play very much. I'm going to take zero to five, okay. uh, and join the majority on that one. Sixty-four percent of the vote went to zero to five. All right, last poll. What positional group does Syracuse basketball need to focus on most in its recruiting class of 2022?
0: I said guards. Uh, you lose Buddy Bayheim and Joe Girard. Well, you're going to lose. You're going to lose them soon. And you already lost Kadari Richmond, so there's going to be a gap there. You you know, you already have some people coming in on the wings uh, with Benny Williams, with um, Cole Swider might still be there. Uh, There's enough talent there. The centers, there's still some young guys. The guards are what they need to focus on.
1: Yeah, this is going to... It's a tough question because centers is always the conversation um, that we have regarding Syracuse basketball program and centers does win the vote with 53% guards right behind it at 32 All right, with that for Jaron May and I'm Matt Bonaparte thanks so much for being with us and we will see you next time